Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots in homes, around tables, over food, with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, our study continues on the topic of brave conversations. We're focusing on mental illness today as we look deeper into Daniel chapter 4. Let's dig in. There are many examples in scripture of mental illness, and it is frankly a little disappointing that mental illness is not a topic that is more commonly discussed within religious circles. Now, I understand why many pastors, myself included, are not experts on mental illness. And so it can be a little daunting to open up conversation on topics about which we are not an expert on. But I believe that it is important for us to do so anyway, because so many people face questions surrounding mental illness. For instance, statistically, one in five of us will experience a temporary mental illness of some sort, depression, anxiety, or something else uh, within the space of any given year, which means that in this stat blew me away that over a lifetime, more than half of us will experience for a period of time something that is essentially a mental illness. And so it's something that touches every single one of our lives, either because we experience it or because somebody that we know and love and care about experience it. That's why it's so important that the church bring a faith-based perspective to this and open up the conversation, which is what we're doing this week. As far as chronic mental illnesses, there are many who do suffer with chronic mental illness, and the church should not abandon those people. Most of those who discover that they have a chronic mental illness discover it very early in life, during adolescence. Over half know before the age of 14 Over 75% of chronic mental illnesses are determined by the age of 24, and so it is prevalent. Now, where we end up today in Daniel chapter 4 is in a very unusual case of mental illness. And so as we jump into Daniel chapter 4, what we have here is we have Daniel who is serving in a kingdom of um, great excess. It might be like living in a modern day Las Vegas or or London or Dubai, all wrapped up into one. So we're at the center of the Babylonian Empire and one of the great kings, if not the greatest king of the Babylonian Empire, King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar has had a wild and crazy dream and wants it to be interpreted. And Daniel is the dream interpreter. And so Daniel comes and interprets the king's dream. And the interpretation that he gives is not going to be a well-received interpretation. It's not one of greater prosperity. It's not one of greater money or land. It is a dream that is going to, if it comes true, bring the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, to his knees. 
when Daniel hears the dream, in fact, the text tells us just before this, and we're not going to do the whole reading today as a part of this study, but I want to encourage you to do the entirety of the reading on your own. So we're going to jump into the middle and then we're going to jump out before the end. And, and I want you to read the end on your own because it's, it's amazing. Uh, but Daniel comes and when he hears the dream, he actually sits on it for an hour before giving the um, the interpretation of it, which tells how serious the interpretation of this dream is because Daniel is, um, he's not itching to explain this one. So here we go. Verse 24, Daniel says, this is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the most high, meaning God, has declared will happen to my Lord, the King. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass by while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. Thus implying, you do not. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. Um, this sounds like a farce. It sounds crazy. Uh, and I think Daniel knows this. So he continues, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning. Do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. So, Apparently, there is a lot of water under the bridge with this guy, King Nebuchadnezzar. He has built a great empire. He's built a great kingdom uh, on the back of a reputation for being a tyrant, for treating people badly, and for, in Daniel's word, sinning. Uh, so Daniel has the unfortunate privilege of giving this news to the king, news that you have to wonder if the king heard and said, I'm going to find myself out in the field, eating grass, like a cow, for seven periods of time. You can almost imagine the king laughing at this dream interpretation. Maybe maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Um, we don't know. What we do know is that God graciously gave Nebuchadnezzar time and a nudge in the right direction. We know that this dream does not immediately come true. So it's given. Nebuchadnezzar responds in the moment, however he responds, but it doesn't immediately occur. So Nebuchadnezzar may be translating this as Daniel was wrong. This dream isn't going to come true. Uh, God cannot control me. I am I am the controller of my own destiny. And day turns into week, and week turns into month, and, and a month actually turns, the months actually turn into year. And nothing happens throughout this entire year to Nebuchadnezzar. God's giving him time, God's giving him space. He's giving him, he's already told him what's going to happen if he doesn't change. But now he's giving him the time in order to change. And he gave him the nudge. Daniel even said to him, 
my advice, my advice is that you do this, this, and this. And maybe, maybe none of these things will come true. But the text goes on to say immediately that all of these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, now, maybe it was to the day. Twelve months later, King Nebuchadnezzar was taking a walk on the flat, flat roof of the palace in Babylon. And Babylon, um, the hanging gardens of Babylon, one of the seven wonders of the world, uh, what he had built uh, is is recorded in history uh, because it was so magnificent. And so we have a, an enormous record of all of King Nebuchadnezzar's pursuits and what he built and, and how great he was, um, greater perhaps than even King Herod, who who built Jerusalem, who built the temples. Uh, but as he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. Uh, for anyone who is religious or spiritual at their core, that line, by my own mighty power, should should ring different, should, should hit differently. But I think for anyone, whether or not you have a religious center to yourself or not, should recognize here what's going on. And, and there is a lot of pride. You know, Daniel referenced that King Nebuchadnezzar needed to pay attention to the poor. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't out there building those own things with his own hands. He wasn't in the pits, making the bricks, firing them, carting them off to the building site, hoisting them up with brute strength. He wasn't doing any of that. He was relying on an incredible workforce, likely an incredible slave force, in order to do those things. But he's taking credit for all of those things. By my own mighty power, I have done this. I have built this to display my majestic splendor, I, me, my, mine. For any of us, whether we are a king in ancient times or a peasant in present times, this is a destructive mentality to have. I might even say it's an illness. It's an illness of the mind to take credit, full credit for things that are not yours and to allow yourself to believe that you are great, that you are more important, that you are greater than and others are lesser than. This is perhaps Nebuchadnezzar's chief sin, his chief offense. Because while these words, verse 31 says, are still in his mouth, a voice calls down from heaven, maybe God maybe the pre-incarnate Christ, maybe an angel. O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. And that same hour, the judgment was fulfilled that was promised a year ago, in which God gave time. And Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow. He was drenched with the dew of heaven. 
Now, this is not recorded in most of the annals of Babylon that we have found, and understandably so. What king or royal recorder in their right mind would record the mental illness of the ruler whenever we know that all of those recordings of that time period of Nebuchadnezzar were written uh, to be political propaganda, to to extol his greatness. But, and this is fascinating, for a long time, scholars, even many biblical scholars said this, this probably isn't true. We can't find record of it anywhere. And, and we have a ton of records that are non-biblical from that time period. But not, not too distant recent past, they have uh, they've discovered things that seem to indicate that this story is actually true. Um, some pieces, some fragments, some lines. Uh, it's a fascinating journey of trying to figure out, did this happen or didn't this happen? It sounds crazy. Uh, it really does. Like, have you ever seen anybody suffer from this mental illness? Um, it seems extremely far-fetched, but the truth of the matter is, it's a real thing. Bone therapy, a psychological disorder in which the sufferer believes that he or she is a cow. Bo, B-O, coming from the word bovine, so cow or ox, someone who believes that they are a cow or an ox. It is extremely rare. In fact, it is one of, if not the most rarely occurring mental disorders. And if you look it up, even in science journals, King Nebuchadnezzar will be listed as the classic and first and primary example of it happening. There's another example of it happening in the 1800s. There's another example of it happening in the mid-1900s that was well-documented. Uh, all of these fall in under a bit of a larger umbrella called zoanthropy, where uh, people generally believe that they are animals, but bone therapy is the specific animal that's being uh, mentally uh, assumed is a cow or an ox. But what it is, I think we can say is, is fairly clear from the record, uh, but who sent it? Well, the text seems to very clearly indicate in this situation that God sent it to him for a very specific reason. Uh, but I think that we might also say, and, and I want to be clear here, this does not mean that most or all mental illness are brought on by self. All right, let's say that most or all mental illness are not brought on by self or by one's own actions. But in this particular case, it seems as though it was brought on clearly by his extreme pride. Now, I don't want to make too far of a leap here because, again, my, my fear is that we'll think that mental illnesses are, are usually or always triggered by things that we do or how we think or how we act. That is simply not the case. But I want to caveat and say that there is documented 
medical and reasonable assumption that we do have a part to play at times in becoming mentally ill under certain circumstances and also pulling ourselves out of those mental illnesses. Obviously, there are many extenuating factors, and, and I know that I'm going real far to qualify and, and caveat this. Uh, and so I'll just kind of hit pause there because I think I made my point. But I want to say that in this circumstance, it seems as though the mental illness was both brought on by a situational issue inside of King Nebuchadnezzar. And we're going to see in just a moment that it was taken away in the same way that it could have been avoided, but it wasn't because of extreme pride. So we might even say here that uh, it would be as right to say that King Nebuchadnezzar drove himself to mental illness through his extreme pride as much as it is to say that God sent the mental illness because of his extreme pride. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. It's kind of saying the same thing here, which leads me to say, and, and I don't, again, I don't want to overstate this too much, but whenever we place ourselves at the center of the world, whenever we do what King Nebuchadnezzar did and, and we have extreme pride and, and we look around and we say, I, me, my, mine, I'm the greatest. I did all of this. This is this is all me. Whenever we whenever we become that self-focused and that prideful, there is a mental casualty that happens because of that. There are mental, emotional, psychological repercussions of that attitude, of that personality. And the Bible seems to indicate, both here and in other places, that those things are sin as a word, but maybe an illness, an illness as well, an illness of the mind, a mind that, that places self at the center rather than something else. And so what we see here is that Nebuchadnezzar measures himself by himself rather than measures himself by God. Now, if we really stop and pull back and think about this from our own life and from the lives of others who are around us, this statement makes so much sense. That so much of bad and the issues and the trauma in our lives come whenever we measure ourselves by ourselves rather than measure ourselves by God. How do you measure yourself? We see King Nebuchadnezzar over here and how he measured himself, but how do you? And is some of the trauma that you're facing right now or that you have faced in life, is it possible that maybe some of that came into your midst because you were measuring yourself by the wrong thing. Measure yourself by God and what he says about you rather than by yourself. 
And so again, today, before we close, I want to come back to this. You're not alone. No matter what you're facing, whether it is psychological, personal, emotional, relational, no matter what you may be facing, you're not alone. Not only is God there with you as he was there with King Nebuchadnezzar. And if you read the rest of the story, after those seven periods of time, seven years, in fact, uh, if you go back and finish the reading for today, it is quite an ending to this story, an incredible ending to this story. And I don't want you to miss it, but I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to tell you what it is. So you're going to have to go read it. But you, you're not alone. In the community of God, your sorrow is my sorrow. My sorrow is yours. And our pain is shared. This Bible study on Brave Conversations is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy-to-follow guide in the show notes. We would love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation. Our mission, it's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. And when you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on mental illness. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well over at www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.